Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning whenever you happen to be joining in or watching Leadership Untitled podcast with Karen Turner. That's me. I am a leadership development expert and executive coach, and this is episode 32. I'm going to start off. I don't often share personal stories, but that's how we're going to start off today because it's one of those those podcast episodes. It's one of those episodes where I'm kind of I have some notes, some bullet points, but I am running off of passion and I am sharing off of inspiration and motivation. So you'll bear with me. I'm going to keep a close eye on the time because I love to talk. And when I get talking about things that I'm passionate about, the time can go by quickly. So this might be a two-parter. We'll see how it goes. That's the beauty of going live every single week. But part of that, which ties into our conversation today, is sometimes I don't feel like it. (laughs) That's the truth. And today, there's a rough morning this morning um, with a doctor's appointments and things like that. And I needles, <laughs> if I need to say more, needles for children. Um, and it was just rough. And it's one of those mornings where I came back and I was just like, the last thing that I want to do today is go live and smile and share. And that's just me being completely transparent. And the reason that I'm being completely transparent as we talk about the title for today, what is missing in the discussions around career development or um, leadership development, and I'll even throw in the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging space, and maybe not missing, but what I want to or what I feel we need to talk more about is the whole self, bringing our whole self. And when we talk about all of those things, especially career and leadership um, development, and we don't talk about all areas of our lives, we don't address all areas of our lives, we're missing key portions that affect how our career progresses. And part of who I am, part of who I have been, is a mom. You know, I was in a leadership role when I had my first daughter. And then when I had my second daughter, I had just taken on a new department. And my world felt very siloed (laughs) even though in terms of what I spoke about and how I shared my experience as a leader, because there I didn't have a lot of examples of women in leadership roles who took maternity leaves and came back, who continued to progress their careers. I felt like I was on a boat alone, but also that I couldn't talk about all the nuances, what it meant, what it means to be a mom that just gave birth, coming back from maternity leave, still pumping in my office. And I'm thankful that I had the privilege of having an office, but needing to leave meetings to pump and everything else. And that was who I am. And right now I'm a mom to 
growing girls, you know, an almost five-year-old, almost seven-year-old. And there are just real realities of being a mother that impact how I show up as an entrepreneur, how I show up um, when I was in corporate America as a leader, but that we have niceties around what we say and, you know, we're family focused, we're, we're this, we're that. But in reality, when it comes down to it, those things aren't true and you have to leave them at the door. And so I want to talk about the whole self and, you know, not just motherhood, but we're going to dive in today and talk about, we're going to talk about race. And I know that that can sometimes get people all tense and everything else, but it shouldn't. And just because I talk about race doesn't make me racist. It doesn't make you a racist. It's having real meaningful conversations about the whole self. Because I don't know, in case you've missed it, not only am I a mom, wife, daughter, sister, friend, cousin, I'm also a Black woman. And having all of those conversations without addressing and talking about my experience as a Black woman is also problematic. And when we don't address the whole self as we talk about career development, as we talk about leadership development, as we talk about the DEI and B space, we're missing out if we're not discussing and bringing in those elements. So I'm going to roll the clip to start us off, and then we're going to get into it. Episode 32, let's jump into it. I've shared the stats before, and I have them here. Those Those are the notes that I wrote for this because... I don't want to have to remember numbers while I'm doing, while I'm sharing this conversation. And if you're watching, I am streaming on several different areas. So I think that chats will come in, but if I don't get your comments, I will for sure be sure to follow up. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure that you are doing all the YouTube things like subscribing and liking so that we can continue to grow this movement. So the stats that we share a lot that I have shared, 25% of C-suite roles, only 25% of C-suite roles are filled by women. What's worse, 4% of that number, just 4% are women of color. And that number has not changed in a meaningful way in years. So we see what's happening. We see the trend. We talk about that number often. And sometimes I'm guilty of this, probably a lot, is talking about that number in a vacuum. But I was reading the Women in Report, Women in the Workplace Report that was produced by McKinsey and Company with Lean In. And I'm sure many of you have heard of it, have probably read it. Well, I dove into it, and this is from 2021, I'm venturing to say that if this report comes out this year, the stats that I'm sharing won't be much better. And what's interesting about that is that despite, that's in spite of 
all of the initiatives, the systems, the structures, the processes that have been put into place to help that number, the number of women, women of color in the highest leadership positions in corporate America grow, but there hasn't been any meaningful change. And so what's missing or what do we need more of? So here's another set of numbers, of information that we should also be addressing and probably even more so than the stats about who's in leadership and where. So women of color, according to, again, this report, women of color experience more microaggressions than white women. They also lack active allies, even amongst their white colleagues who consider themselves allies but aren't showing up in meaningful and intentional ways. So they aren't addressing discriminatory behavior. They aren't offering mentorship. They aren't offering sponsorship. Things that will advocate or actions or behaviors that will advocate on behalf of women of color to allow them the opportunities and open the doors for moving their careers forward. Specifically, Black women experience more microaggressions in the workplace and in key areas, or they're tied for the worst. So they're either the worst or tied for the worst in terms of percentages. And and they are in key areas. So having their judgment questioned, even in the area of their expertise, and I can absolutely raise my hand on this one, both hands. And so many of my clients who I speak to, who I work to, my colleagues, my friends would also raise their hand to this one. The second one, also a double hand raise, needing to provide more evidence of our competence than others do. So those two key areas, there are others, there's a whole list of them. But those are the two key areas where Black women specifically experience the have the worst experience in the workplace, having our judgment questioned, even in areas of our expertise, and needing to provide needing to provide more evidence of our competence than others do. And it's against this backdrop. So thinking about that experience year over year from one job, sorry if that was loud, I hit the microphone, from one job to the next job, that the experience of microaggressions remains consistent. It might be somewhat better in other jobs, but at the end of the day, it is against this backdrop that women of color, especially Black women, are struggling to gain momentum and their careers. So when we think about this backdrop, and as we look at career and leadership development, we need to consider not just what are the usual strategies, what are the usual tactics, what are the usual recommendations that we would make in general for career advancement. We need to consider the full experience. Now, I have been through so many leadership training programs. I've had one-on-one coaching. I am an advocate for it. I myself, as I share, am a leadership coach, an executive coach, and I work in this space. And so when I 
as I share this conversation, it's not just from a place of, (laughs) it's not just from a place of me experiencing it. It's me also sometimes participating in the very behaviors that I know I need to roll back and that we need to have more conversations about. So in the past, when I've had these experiences with leadership programs, group programs, one-on-one coaching, I have held back from sharing the experiences, the microaggressions, the and not just from colleagues. That's the interesting part about being a woman of color in a leadership role is that the microaggressions are coming from colleagues, from leaders, and your team members as well. That even though you have the power of title, you don't necessarily have the power of race that can rear its head from a team member. And now you're trying to deal with, how do I manage a team member when I'm also being harmed and victimized? I'm not going to use that word. Harmed by a team member as well. And so I've wanted to talk about these stories. I've wanted to share these experiences and I've wanted to share, well, I tried that converse, I tried to have the conversation that you mentioned, but this is how it turned out. And I believe it's because of my race, whether intended or not, but I never felt comfortable sharing it. So instead I put a smile on and I just work harder. I go at it a different way. I get we <laughs> get very creative for how we work around to climb our way into the career advancement that we desire. And we do a disservice. I have done a disservice in having career conversations and progressive progressive conversations and also group coaching conversations when we don't address the whole picture and the whole person. And that's truly what's missing from the space. And I'll divert a little bit to address the diversity, inclusion, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging space. As we talk about creating systems and putting structures into place that dismantle white supremacy within the workplace and those structures and processes and systems, I fully support that. But oftentimes it feels like, here's the moment, what's today? July 27th, 2022, we're beginning our um, inclusion journey here in this workplace. And moving forward, It's going to be great, but we don't address consistently. It's not addressed past harm. And how can you build a system of inclusion, a system that is trying to do well, but when the people who you are trying to include have a significant distrust for the very work that you're doing? Because oftentimes it is the people who have committed the microaggressions, committed the harm that are at the helm of these programs, moving them forward, but without addressing what's been done in the past, without addressing how do we create or offer the resources, offer the expertise in this specific area 
to help rebuild trust within the workplace, which begins with allowing and having and providing the opportunity for women of color, women in general, whoever has been harmed, we'll say that for whoever has been harmed, to have a space to speak. And I know one of the reasons why it's missing this conversation around race specifically, and I recognize that there are other groups that are harmed and experience microaggressions. That is not my area of expertise, but what I can tell you is that when we pick up those who are at the experiencing it in the worst, experiencing it the worst and the most frequent, as we resolve those issues, the other issues will resolve as well. And that's why I speak about women of color, because as I shared from that report, women of color, specifically Black women, experience microaggressions more and more frequently and in more damaging ways in their careers than other races, other genders, other sexes. And so that's why my focus is on women of color. And that's why my focus is on race. And I think the reason that this conversation is missing, one, yes, white supremacy, of course. It's what I said. When we talk about race, immediately we are racist or we're trying to stir something up. And how can you not, as a woman of color, internalize those conversations where you don't talk about race. You never want to be perceived as using race to get ahead. You're afraid to have the discussion because what if it's minimized? I know that's part of what held me back from having and sharing because it's so real to me. It's so raw to me, my experience, that if I share it and someone minimizes it, I don't know if I will be able to withstand that. So I just feel safer holding it in. That's one reason I just don't have trust for those around me to fully share it. I don't have trust for perhaps the HR system. I don't have trust for perhaps the person who I report to or my colleagues. So it's just easier if I keep it inside. The second is what I've already mentioned. I never want race to, I never want it to appear that I'm using race to get ahead. So I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to ignore it. And I'm just going to try and push forward without realizing that race is actually, according to the stats, and we see no one's getting ahead because of race. The numbers would look so incredibly different if race was actually a reason why people were getting ahead. again of C-suite roles are filled by women and just 4% of that number is women of color. So you're not using race to get ahead. If you're listening to me as a woman of color, we need to talk about it to address it. It is the elephant in the room. But I understand as well the fear and the vulnerability that happens because again, even with all of the efforts in inclusion, in the inclusion space, we still have these issues that aren't being addressed. And it's because I propose 
We're not looking at the whole person. We're not looking at the whole experience. Time check. All right. We're still doing all right. So now that I've shared the overall stats, what's missing, why I propose, and of course, there are a lot more reasons why the conversation, why there aren't more of these or why they're missing completely, but what do we do about it? And if you checked out the description, I think I wrote in there, this is going to take a village. It's going to take a village of people who are willing to have hard and tough conversations. And if you want to learn more about how to have those tough conversations, go back, watch episode 31 once you're done watching this one where I outline how to have tough conversations. And yes, in that, I specifically talk about it from a performance perspective. But if you strip that away, the process and the steps remain the same. But first, it is a willingness to address it and not sweep it under the rug and not say, well, today, from today, we're moving forward and we're not going to do harm. Because just in even you saying that creates harm. Because it's ignoring the very real experience that those in your workplace have had. So what do we do about it? First and foremost, it's what, it's what I shared before, creating safe spaces to have these conversations. And it may require, I know this is not going to be a popular opinion, because we don't like to talk about what appears to be segregation, but it may require creating spaces that are just for women of color, that are just for Black women, so that they have a space that they feel safe to share their experience with others without fear of having to watch their language so that they don't hurt someone else in the room unintentionally by sharing how they felt. Because that still happens when you insert someone else into a conversation, our conversation changes around this topic. And so not having the white gaze in that room, in that space, helps to create a safe space to have the conversation so they can come out having shared, having felt heard, having felt seen and maybe choosing to share outside of that safe space their experiences, having received the tools, the knowledge, the support that they need, the resources, the language, whatever it is that they're looking for to come out and have those conversations, to come out and be healthier. When I work with my clients now, I initiate these conversations when I work with women of color. And 100% of the time, When I ask the question, how are you feeling at work from a place of race? And how have you felt, if if at all, that it's impacted your career, your leadership opportunities? 100% of the time, 100% of the time, the answer has been, thank you for asking. I didn't know if I could talk about it or I didn't feel comfortable, but yes, I do feel, and here are my stories. There's relief. There are tears. It is a burden lifted. And so if my, in my small sphere of influence, 
I can help to create those safe spaces, that's what I'm doing. Help to acknowledge what you have gone through, what so many of us have experienced in our career but haven't been able to feel comfortable to talk about it. And instead, we push it down, we push it aside, and we can't truly say that we're going to have meaning or going to be intentional about creating inclusive spaces, work environments, to see a very real change in the stats and leadership, to see a decrease in the number of microaggressions. And I hate that word microaggressions because it is it does not feel micro on the other end. It doesn't feel micro on the other end when you are receiving that behavior. It's just an aggression. But that that's a different that's a different conversation. But we can't decrease these numbers. We can't truly make progress until we have more conversations that include the whole person. If you are in the career development space, having these conversations about what does what is it like to be a mother, to be a woman of color, to be whatever it is in the workplace and how do you feel that it's impacted you? So that they have an opportunity to put words to it, to put a name to it, so that they don't feel like they're losing their minds. Because so often when you're in it and nobody is talking about it or nobody is acknowledging it, especially when it happens in a group environment and you're just looking around like, so no one else is noticing what's happening or going to say anything, you feel like you're losing your mind. And so if we one-to-one can create these spaces to have these conversations, then that is what we need to do. That should be our calling. And if it's not yours, that's cool. It's mine. That's what I'm dedicated to. I'm dedicated to helping women overcome the racial harm, racial trauma that they have experienced in the workplace so that they can see the career advancement. They can have a greater impact. They have an opportunity to make more money within corporate. The only option shouldn't be to leave the workplace, to make more money, to jump into entrepreneurship. It's not for everyone. So this work has to be done. It it needs to be done. And so as I said, (laughs) um, it takes a village and it's an ongoing conversation. And so I invite you to... Stay close by this space. Visit Leadership Untitled Institute to learn more about the services that I offer, including a complimentary coaching strategy session. But I want you to stay close to this space because there are going to be some exciting announcements coming soon as I do more of the work that lights my soul on fire. As I dig deep into more of these conversations and having a greater understanding and connecting with those who are doing this work already and adding to that fabric. So 
as I end off every episode, I want you to share it. If there's a woman of color who you know, she might be feeling isolated. She needs to know that there's a space for her. Share this episode. If there's an ally who's wondering how to help, she or he needs to hear these words. So I encourage you to share this episode freely, widely with everyone. Because we can't make a difference until we recognize that these conversations and having them is normal. What is the popular phrase? We need to normalize race discussions around career progression in the workplace. We need to normalize race discussions as a whole without the stigma and without the tension. And this is how it begins. So I thank you for listening. Again, visit Leadership Untitled Institute to learn more about my services and what I do and stay close by because there's more coming. Thank you. Bye.